It's time for the best 60 minutes of your life. This is the Homer Hour, broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All studio at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee. Alongside former Packer Brian Balaga, here's Emmy Award winner Homer. But please understand, the current Green Bay Packer team has the potential to have the greatest season ever in the history of the Green Bay Packers, unless you go back to the Old Testament with Don Hudson. I don't know when that is. The greatest ever if they can win the Super Bowl. And sure, they have a ton of games left to play. Uh, I'm Homer. I'm filling in as the uh, substitute for... No. Uh, I'm here... Tell Brian Bulaga and Jason Will to get going about 5.15. Until then, all right, you're a you're a grabber. What, what were the oh, – yeah. what? Yeah, that's what I was. You're that's a grabber, was, yeah. not a puncher, and that has to do with offensive linemen. Uh, at what point in your life did you n- learn there was a distinction and decide that you needed to do it the grabber rather than puncher? Well – you know, it, it was trial and error through my, you know, rookie training camp. and uh, They didn't call able, you that in college then? No, I was able – in, in college, I was a puncher. Oh. Um, because you could do that, you know, pretty much every play and, and block 99% of the DNs in college and get away with it. Um, because, you know, not everyone was NFL caliber, right? You get so to the if NFL- an offensive line has a choice, they would all rather be punchers than grabbers. Yeah, you would like to, okay. you would like to, um, you know, that, that punch, that six inch punch, you know, makes that D lineman reset and, you know, th- you know, changes angle of approach and attack. Right. And who's yeah, the I mean- greatest puncher you've either ever seen or ever watched? Ooh, greatest puncher. You know who had a really good um punch was was Jake Long. Okay. Jake Jake Long had a really good punch and he, he was a he was a consistent puncher. All right, who was the um, greatest grabber you ever saw mm, or watched? And you know, when we talk about grabbing, right? Like it's a positive thing. There's nothing negative about this yeah, at all. Yeah, not, you're not like, cheating, you're not trying no. to go by the rules. No, I mean, who I really learned it from watching and picking up the technique was Tauscher. You know, that's who I watched the way he played um, during training camp and how he blocked and how he, you know, took on these DNs. I incorporated, you know, a little bit what Cliffy was doing because Cliffy was a puncher and what Tauscher was doing. Tauscher was more of a grabber. And that's how I kind of built my game around. Like I took a little bit from him. I took a little bit from him, and I and I blended it together. Did and, anybody tell you to do this, or was this something you figured out and decided on your own? It was something I figured out, just trial and error, right? Like if you go into um, the NFL and you think you're going to punch these D linemen in the chest every time, you're going to get your hand swatted down. You're going to get you're going to mm-hmm. miss. They're going to like it, they're they're too good, and they time it up. And they'll consistently beat you if that's all you do is punch. You have to be able to mix up between punching, kind of grabbing that outside shoulder pad, you know, fitting your hands in underneath their arms when they bull rush. You have to be able to change things up. Because if you just consistently go out there and punch, 
It's going to be they're, – they're, like you may get away with it for the first series, maybe even the second series, but they're going to start timing you up and swatting your hands. And, but and, are and, there some that were able to make a career out of it as a puncher because they were so elite or so special? I don't know. I mean, I think of Anthony Munoz. I'm trying to think of the greatest offensive lineman, Larry Allen. I don't mean, uh, yeah, yeah, see, at guard, it's a little bit different. Oh. Like who, who the best – the best puncher I've seen in person is TJ Lang. TJ Lang would jump set every go, every D tackle and punch him square in the chest and then get his hands back on him because you're, you're operating in tighter spaces, tighter quarters. So you can be a puncher as a, a guarder. Yeah, center. You, you could, okay. yeah, you could be more aggressive. You're not out there on an island by yourself with all that space. Um, and TJ was a very good puncher. Very wow. good. I mean, he would hit guys right between the numbers constantly. So – and then Sitton, on the other hand, was a grabber. So, like, every guy is is different in the way they're comfortable in playing. And uh, it's just one of those things that you have to go through it during training camp. And, and obviously, I got a crash course going against Clay. So I found out real quick what's going to work and what's not going to work against elite rushers. All right, what are the right guys away. we had now? Left tackle, Rashid Walker, uh, grabber or puncher? Puncher. Okay, left guard Elton Jenkins. He uh, he does a little bit of both. He 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 mixes his up. He's a he's a savvy veteran, which makes a player even better, given that the defenders don't know what your approach is. Right? Correct. If you can Correct. do both, Josh yep. Myers, uh, puncher. He's a puncher. Okay, and I guess I should probably ask about Sean Ryan rather than John Runyon, but you can answer them both. Well, they. I mean, Sean Ryan's a puncher. Mm-hmm. Um, you could tell he's a, he's an aggressive player. He punches. Runyon does a little bit of both. Runyon is a grabber and a puncher. Um, but from what I've seen early on from Sean Ryan, he is a he's a puncher. He's aggressive. Um, which, hey, at guard you can get away with that. Okay. All right. Now let's get to Zach Tom. I bet he can do mm-hmm. both. He does do both. Yeah. And, and and what I like about him, what I really like about him, is that he's not when he does punch which I always found very beneficial to me. He, he'll one-arm punch. He won't throw both out there. So if that gets swatted down, he can use his other one to regain his balance and still get a shot on the DN and, and punch him and get a little stab and separate himself and get his balance back. I've seen him grab, which to me, you know, you could take it as there's holding every single play in the NFL. So you could call it what you want. But it's, it's grabbing to the point of when that DN initiates contact, that you place your hands at a spot just underneath his shoulder pad inside the framework and it slides down into the into the chest plate of the shoulder pads or you just stay hooked up underneath that shoulder pad on the inside right by his armpit essentially and you twist and you know bring your elbows in tight and lock them in there never locked out lock them in keep the Z's in your elbows keep them bent and anchor down. And that's uh, Zach Tom does a really nice job at that. He changes his up, um, changes up his hand placement, what he does. But what I really like too, which I like a lot about him, I like that his sets are very consistent. His pass sets are very consistent. He never seems um, rattled. He never seems off balance. He, mm-hmm. he, he looks the same every time, which is very good. What I would like to see him do, obviously not right now, or but his the evolution of his game would be to change up his sets, like a short set, which means you're getting on the defensive end a little bit quicker. Um, a vertical set, 
uh, or a 45 set, which he does a lot of right now. Because that confuses set. the guy. Yeah. 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 It, it changes the defensive end's rush angle, right? You can you can change a defensive end's thinking simply by your pass set, right? You That's how offensive linemen dictate the rush is by changing up their sets and doing different things with yeah, the Yeah, we're going to have to have you watch it and show us this stuff. Uh, all right, let's get to the penalties. If you said holding could be called on every play, everybody agrees with that. Uh, how often is it not called? Or uh, if you're a good offensive lineman, you pretty much know what you can get away with it, and you're I, – I don't know. I don't know the truth yeah. of it because you're watching a game. Is it do, – do, do they just not call it? Or when you watch a game, do you have any idea of – how they're going to deal with the offensive line or after you've watched a quarter, can you tell what it's like that game or how does it vary? Yeah, normally you, you get a pretty good idea of the way the refs are going to call it early on, right? Like you normally see what guys are doing, what they're getting away with, what the refs are calling. And you have normally a good idea. Like I, I look at the holding situation as when the feet are beat, right? So if you're locked up with a D lineman, and he gets outside the framework of your body and you're still holding on to him and your feet are stopped, it's a hold. But if you're say your hand, your hands to me, and this is what we were always taught, your hands can be wherever, but if your body's in front of his body, it's not holding. And that's just because your feet are staying with the defensive lineman, your feet are in front of him, your feet are not beat. Um, you're engaged with him, not with him away from your body. And, and that's the way we were always taught. So the thing that especially you try to, you know, ingrain in young tackles is to keep moving your feet. Do never, never stop your feet once you get engaged because these D linemen are so athletic that they could engage and pull a quick move on you. And if you're sitting in concrete, they're going to go around you. Right, you're in have... your career, this might be slightly unfair, but I'm going to ask you in your career, how many holds did you get away with? Um, a lot. I mean, I got away with a lot. Like five a game or what? No, 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 no. All right. No. Two not, a game? Not even that. All right. Maybe, and maybe two. how many times did you just get totally screwed by having holding called? Um, I remember a, a game uh, the year Mike McCarthy got fired. Um, we went up to the Jets, and Ron Torbert, the ref, he called me for three holding calls. And one of them was legit. I even said, yeah, like that was bad. But then that was the first one. And then after that, he was just looking to throw the flag on me, I feel like, for anything. And then the last two were absolute garbage. So did you they go up to him garbage. and say you suck or what do you, you... – I, I, I did after the game. And then Campy pulled me away. He said, you're going to get fined. He goes, you, 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 you can't do it. That's the only the... time you ever did that, I'll bet. Yep. I didn't, I didn't go at – referees i would add if they threw a flag i'd ask them like this or that or i'd say hey give me you know you play the game with the refs hey give me a little warning if you think i'm getting too close to a hold you know let me know really uh, see if you oh, yeah. if a player said that to me i'd go go away i'm not oh, your no. mom i'm not your teacher no. you know the damn rules do the best you can you break the rules i'm gonna call it but officials tell me they're supposed to do that i think that's a Stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, they need to communicate Why? with you. No, they you don't. Yeah. Why do yeah, they need to? No. That's all part of the game. It's the wrong wanna... part of the game. They're not therapists. You know the rules, right? I'm not asking for therapy. I'm simply asking. Asking for what? What are you asking? I'm the official. What are you asking for? In, in your eyes, yes. do you, are you considering that holding? I'm trying to hey, gauge, I, I'm trying to gauge where hey, he is. You, Mr. Bulaga, 
And I really, this is what I'd say as the official, because I did this in tennis, and these guys came up and did the same thing. And I just like, what are you, crazy? Like, I'm going to cheat for that person? Come on, go away. Um, uh, first of all, I should get your degree. But other than that, you'll know how, <laughs> do you know when you'll know it's holding? When I throw a flag. If I don't throw a flag, then you didn't hold. This is not a clinic. We hold those in the off season in July, and I can get you tickets. Now, that's not the way. That's not the way it operates. That's why? not the way it goes. Not the way it goes. Why? Tell because, me why. Because the officials yes. want to have an open line of communication with the players. Why? So, because that's the way the game is. Why is that's it necessary? You, you know the rules, right? They know the rules. Their job is to call them on you, and that's it. We don't have to have a well, chat. Well, you have, do you have got, coffee before the game? Okay. I wish I, I wish I could. I, I wish I could. I wouldn't do I it. Would. I would. I I'd certainly say, would. What, what, what do you need to talk about? You know the rules. Plus, they have like eight different stats now where they keep track of all the officials. You know, I don't know if they did. You know this? And you know the groups that call a lot and everything, right? Or did, did oh, they, yeah. Did they have that oh, when yeah. you played? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. Sure. There's even so less of a reason to communicate. Well, I want to create a relationship. Are, no, I don't. It's not. It's not creating a relationship. It's having open dialogue throughout the game. Yes, okay. To make sure you're staying within the rules of the game in their eyes, because holding is such a subjective. I know, call. but they you can, just told us that you know what you can and can't do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I, I do know. Yes. I do know. But he may look at it differently. Then, then, you... or now he or she may look at it differently. Right. All right. Well, you any any concern of that? I'm sure you're made aware of by the stats they have on officials and groups. Right. All right. Yeah. Uh, we got Jason coming up, but I wanted to get to people talking about this is most important, that and most important, and and I'm not saying this because your offensive line. The offensive line is the key to the Packers winning because with Jordan Love, when LaFleur says run the ball, he will run the ball, unlike Rodgers, who periodically would always decide, hey, no, it's better to pass because I'm really good, and maybe it was better to pass. Jordan Love will run the ball, and they will run the ball, and and Shanahan's aware of that, and he's going to tell his defensive line, this isn't Rodgers. You better not just rush because you think they're going to pass most of the time. They're not, and the key will be can the offensive line block, given the runs that will occur, and that will determine if they can score enough points to win. Take it away. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I mean, this game. Did you hear that, this, Pebble? Say that again. Yeah. Say that again. I heard it. Like, Doc, I, say that I, I agree. This this game is going to come down to the offensive line and if they're able to control San Francisco's front seven. And that's that's what this game but is going to be. But they will run the ball more in the exact same situations than they would have with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Correct? Yeah, I probably think they'll probably run the ball more against this 49ers team than what you probably saw Aaron do in the past. Um, listen, the thing about it is Aaron would go, just like Jordan Love has, go up to the go up to the line of scrimmage with two plays, yeah. right? And yeah. you trust on the quarterback to make what he's seeing on the field and right. the looks that he's getting. And Aaron Rodgers is going to pick me passing the ball more than Jordan Love will. I mean, Aaron I – mean, Aaron, would throw the football, yeah. Aaron likes to uh, yeah. throw football, so that's and that's not a big deal, right? We had the line to block for him, but but if you're a defensive line with San Francisco, you knew that, and you could be more aggressive in your pass rush. Now with Jordan Love, I think Shanahan will say it ain't he ain't Aaron Rodgers. He'll hand the ball off, they'll run it, and if you're going up like it's a pass, they're going to have a huge hole for Aaron Jones. Yeah, I mean they they they're they're definitely going to have to just 
you know, not be able to just pin their ears back and treat every play like it's pass. And if you somehow miss and it is a run and you loot and you get beat for five, six yards, they normally say, ah, we'll move on. We're going to get a pass here eventually that maybe we can get home on. I think they're going to have to play Green Bay a little more straight up, knowing that they will turn around and hand it to Aaron Jones 25 times a game. They will do that. That's something that in this game um, could be necessary to beat the 49ers. And if, if it, it may not even be that he's getting six yards of crack. It's to keep that defensive line and defensive front honest and make sure they're not just pinning their ears back and rushing the quarterback, that they got to play and respect both things, run and pass. Uh, my job is done. Jason Wildy, who's on because Brian Bulaga said, I want Jason on on Thursdays. Such is done. They're next. Jason Wildy is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. The doctor of football, Brian Bulaga, said, I want Jason Wildy on Thursdays. Well, it probably needs him even more this week because they play on Saturday and not Sunday. But I'll let the doctor of football figure that out. Take it away, Doc. Jason, good evening. Good evening, guys. How are you? Awesome. Good. Thanks. How, how are you? I'm. Uh, I'm great. Thanks for asking. What do you got? What do you got, Doc? What's What's up, Doc? I've always. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. That should be the way you start each Thursday. Like it. So. Well, I'm going to start out with how I usually start out, with with kind of an injury update. Uh, Dylan, I see, was limited today. Do we think he's going to be in? I saw Jair has been out all week. Do we think he's going to be in? Yes, he's playing. I, I'm, I'm asking Jason, Homer. I mean, oh, sorry. I mean, come on. He's <laughs> been there all week. I have been, although. I believe uh, I've been correct on Jair every week, but go ahead. Oh, insider information. No, I just know Jair. He wants everybody to know how badly he wants to play, even though he's hurt. So uh, they are listing three players as questionable. They have ruled Kingsley and Agbare out. Now he has a torn ACL, so he uh, whether or not they put him on injured reserve remains to be seen. Uh, the three players who are listed as questionable are Jair Alexander, who did not take part in Wednesdays or Thursdays, jog through whatever type practices it was that they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but uh, he, was, um, he, he was there, uh, and I think they have some measure of uh, optimism that he'll be available. Uh, you mentioned A.J. Dillon. Now, it's important to point out that we were told by Matt LaFleur that it is the stinger that he got a few weeks ago in Minnesota, not his thumb that has been leading to him missing practice. So he did have limited participation today. That's an encouraging sign. They also could have listed him as doubtful, and they didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. So that should be viewed as encouraging. Uh, Isaiah McDuffie, who got another stinger in the game in Dallas, is also questionable. And then, and here's the one that was added today. Uh, and I did see him in the locker rooms, and I, I w- told him, get well soon, Daniel as he walked by, uh, is Daniel Whelan, the punter, who is, uh, has an illness. I don't know if it's influenza or what it is, uh, but he was limited and he was added to the injury report as questionable. So they okay. may be saving Eneg Barre and waiting to put him on IR to, in, to see if they need to 
sign a punter or if they're going to have uh, Anders Carlson pull double duty and do some punting. Um, you know, I, I don't – Matt LaFleur sounded like he expects Whelan to play. So I don't think they're, uh, they're super concerned about that. But that was a curveball that was added today to the injury report. I expect Alexander to play. I'm a little less optimistic about Dylan. I expect yep. Whelan to punt. And I don't know what to expect from McDuffie because this is the second stinger he's had uh, in a couple weeks. Yeah. Have the, has practices all week, Jason, been kind of this walkthrough-ish with the short week? Is that what they've been doing? Or have they put pads on? Or has it just been uh, helmets all week? Yeah, no no pads. You know, LaFleur, he likes to call them above-the-neck days. And so they've yep. done a lot of uh, jog-through, walk-through stuff. Now, he had said, and I did not ask him today to confirm, but he did say earlier in the week that he was hoping they would do some live periods today in the Thursday practice because today was like a Friday. Um, yep. But they wouldn't have been in pads anyway. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how much they did, but he seems to think that this is the right way to go. And uh, the only reservation that I have about that, and I know you're a little bit old school like me, is that, you know, you're playing a team that is super physical. And while I definitely think it's important to take care of guys' bodies at this point in the year, I am a little bit curious how you get ready for a team that you know is ultra-physical um, if you just do jog-throughs all week. But uh, that, is, that is the situation they're in. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's difficult because you kind of said it. It's a short week. It's a quick turnaround. you got to go out to the West Coast. But at the same time, you're playing, like you said, one of the most physical teams in the league. And if you haven't you know, had any physical contact until Saturday night, uh, I'm hoping that they're, they're ready for that because it's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, were you in the Joe Barry presser this week? I was. I was the one who uh, pointed out that he seemed uh, happier. Oh, uh, and uh, you know, he made a he made a very very funny joke. Uh, I would be happier if happy... I was him. Shouldn't he be happier? Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm not criticizing him for being happy. I'm so he he you know he said happy Thursday, guys, which of course yesterday was Wednesday. Uh, so it was certainly not the funniest joke I've ever heard. Better yeah. than some of the bad dad jokes that Tausch tries to tell on our show, but uh, still not great. And, and, but I thought it was indicative of his mood being lighter. Like the last several weeks, and, and I, I don't say this to be mean-spirited, but he felt like a dead man walking. Like he felt like a guy who knew it was over. Uh, and, and this was the first time. And, and what, the one thing that I don't want to say it bothered me, but I think he was being um, – uh, dishonest. Uh, I said, you seem happier. And he said, Oh, one thing you know about me, I'm the same person every day. <laughs> and I kind of was like, well, that's not true because a month ago after your boss, uh, admitted that he considered, I mean, he basically admitted he considered firing Barry, right? He said, if I thought that was the right decision, I would have made it right. He said that yep. after the Tampa Bay game. So he obviously at least considered it because otherwise, there was nothing to consider if you were never going to do it. Um, and, and, you know, then on the Thursday after that, Barry comes in and says what a tough week it's been on him and his family. Well, then you're not the same. And guess what? That's okay, right? We all have stresses in our lives. We all have moments where we're not okay. It's okay to not be okay. 
And yep. so for him, you know, I didn't think that was particularly honest, but he he is he did seem lighter. Now, uh, I don't know how light he'll be late Saturday night after going up against, I mean, the cavalcade of skill position guys that Brock Purdy is surrounded by with McCaffrey, who led the league in rushing and tied for the league lead in touchdowns, and Ayuk, who I think had the second highest per catch average in the league. So he's a big play receiver now. Kittle, who's a stud, and Debo Samuel. Like, that's a tall order for them to stop, and maybe Barry's mood won't be quite so happy-go-lucky on Saturday night. But if they can – I'll tell you this. If this defense can slow down the the number two uh, scoring offense or number three scoring offense in the league from this season, uh, and they can win this game, uh, I think Barry will have to admit that he's in the best mood he's been in in quite a while if they pull that off. Yeah. Has he, uh, did he give anything in the presser about kind of the, the challenge or how they're going to face this challenge of his run game or, or what he thinks they need to do? I mean, obviously, yeah, play hard and make tackles. Yeah, I get that. But did anyone ask yeah. him and, and kind of press him on? what he intend like kind of what's the plan of it or is it just kind of run of the mill i'm not giving you guys anything and and move on from there well i think one thing that he definitely acknowledged and whether it's mccaffrey or kittle or samuel or whoever is that they're this is a team that's not only physically physical defensively they're physical offensively like they've got a ton of yards after contact uh mccaffrey has obviously been a very, very good running back, both when he's in the open field, but also running through contact. Um, and the Packers have not been an outstanding tackling team. And they certainly, you know, I, I know Baltimore put it on these guys pretty good. This ain't Baltimore's defense that Joe Barry's bringing with them. They're not no. dominating physically, right? And so, to me, the biggest challenge, not just stopping the run-wise, but just kind of overall, you know, they, they they love to get Debo Samuel passes close to the line of scrimmage and then have him get yards after the catch by running through dudes. So, to me, the biggest thing for them is, whether it's a run or a pass, they have to play with more physicality. And, and again, I don't know what they're capable of. I think there's a couple guys. I, I'd say Quay Walker. I would say Kenny Clark. I would say, um, you know, maybe Jonathan Owens. There There's a few guys that they have that, that when they hit, they hit. But overall, yeah. I'm not sure that this is the hardest hitting defense I've ever seen in Green Bay either. Yeah, no, I'm with his. They're going to have to bring it. I'll put it there. They're going to have to bring it. Uh, last one for me. Being in the locker room all week, have you gotten a vibe from these guys or kind of the energy that they like? They don't. They're not feeling that underdog role anymore. They're feeling a little bit more expectation. Um, on their side now, now that what you know what they went and did to Dallas and going into the two seed, or are they still riding that house you know house money underdog mentality that hey we we have nothing to lose they have everything to lose or is is the thought of expectation starting to kind of get on these guys' head of what they could accomplish? Uh, I don't get that sense, Brian. Um, uh, again, you know they're just so darn young that. You know they were they were goofing around today. They were doing some, and and again, this is not something that I had seen players do before. It was Malik Heath, uh, Bo Melton, uh, Benny Sapp. They were doing this. They do this like shadow boxing game, which 
as I admitted to Bo, I'm like, they've got a ping pong table now right on the G in the locker room, so they're playing oh. ping pong all the time. Uh, uh-huh. Which I used to be pretty, which I used to be pretty good at, by the way. But it's not my locker room, so I'm not going to take anybody on. Bo Melton is dominating, by the way. He's the best ping pong player they have. But you could be uh, if you but, were playing. Uh, I, I, I'd probably be a little rusty, but I'm not bad. I'm not bad at ping pong. But my point is, is that they're loose. They are still loose, and they, so they were. What the guys that were playing ping pong? You know, Jaden Reed's going around with one of those kids Packers helmets. You know, that are made of plastic that it says right inside the helmet. This is not a protective helmet. Uh, yep. It's costume helmet. Uh, so he's doing interviews wearing that thing. They're playing ping pong. They're doing this shadow boxing thing where. You you flinch the direction which the guy facing you pretends that he's going to hit you from. It's I again. This is not a game that I've ever played because I'm an old man <laughs> compared to them. But they are a they they feel very much like a loose nothing to lose group that understands the opportunity they have, but certainly is not daunted by it. Now that's all well and good until you get punched in the mouth, and yep. uh, you know one of the things that I am I'm not nervous about because it's not my problem. But, you know, they've been so good in these games where they've said, we want the ball and we're going to score like Matt Hasselbeck, right? They did it in Detroit on Thanksgiving. Uh, the Chiefs actually won the toss the following week, but they, took, uh, they chose to defer. So the Packers got the ball first against the Chiefs, went down and scored, and then obviously last week against the Cowboys. You know, you, me, and Tausch talked about that. Uh, yesterday, Brian, and and yep. the thing that makes me a little would make me a little nervous is against this defense. Um, that's great if you want to say, hey, we're we're gonna we're taking the ball, and we're gonna score, and then if you go three and out and you punt, um, that is not the way you want to start the game. So you better if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna have the guts to do that, you better come out and get the job done right off the bat because that would seem to be a tough way to start if you go three and out and you give the offense the ball. All right, my last question is for both of you because I was on the team. I'd go, hey, let's play anybody. We got the hottest quarterback, and anytime you're on a football team, I don't know if it's like hockey when you you have the hottest quarterback, bring on whatever you got because we can take on all comers. It's tough or not. Is that just made up, or is there anything true that Brian and Jason? The importance of the attitude of the locker room based on the greatness of the quarterback and how hot he's playing. Doc? Well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that the team obviously is very confident and they're, and they feel good about their chances because of how the quarterback is playing. I mean, it was pretty simple for me. Every game I went into, I felt really good about it because of my quarterback. I felt that mm-hmm. we had a great chance because he is who he is and how well he plays. And I would imagine that these guys are feeling the same way. They're loose. They know that uh, Jordan's playing great football right now, and he's been playing great football. And when you have confidence in your guy, you know, it, it, it just skyrockets uh, the confidence in the team. It brings out a different side of guys with their, I don't, you know, it wasn't really a saying, but their swagger, you know, they got a different swag to them when you know you got a guy back there that is dealing better than anyone in the league right now. So, yeah, I mean, I think it changes the mood a little bit just because you know you've got a guy that can win the game for you. Jason? Well, I mean, first of all, anytime that I get to hear the ultra-cool Brian Bulaga used the term swag. I feel much better mm. about my appearance on the program because mm. uh, you're very you're very hip like that. He's a dude. Um, He's a dude. Oh, yeah. yeah, look, look, Brian knows way better than I do. 
right? I mean, yeah, but Brian I'm saying to you, I should ask you, do you see the, and get the same feeling that with love the way you saw it with Rodgers? And I understand it's not the same. He's not doesn't have that career. Yeah, they're but. not. I don't think they're. Yeah, I, they're not there yet. But I will say this, and and we were talking about this, and and Brian, I'm sure you remember this. You know, there was uh, in in the, on the 2010 team. Uh, that season, I very vividly remember because that was back when I was traveling to every home and road preseason, regular season, postseason game. And we were in Atlanta earlier in the year, and Atlanta beat you uh, at the Georgia Dome. Yep. And I have never seen a losing locker room more confident, even though they lost the game, than that team. Like, I, I am telling you, I, I, I've always said this, that was when I thought, all right, we're going to be back here, and these guys are going to kick the Falcons' ass. And that's exactly what happened. Like, you guys, I remember talking to Jordy and Rodgers. Like, it was like, yeah, we lost, but, uh, you know, we're not, these guys aren't better than us. And so when it happened then in the postseason against that number one seed, which they were like, I remember right, they were like 14-2 and two that year. Yeah, they were good. Um, I was not surprised. <laughs> and but and, and that's an instance where confidence and the team's vibe certainly matter because you guys went in there then for that divisional round game and you were not the tiniest bit scared or intimidated. Now, in this instance, with a young team, it's great that they don't think that way and it's great that their vibe is good, but at the again, going back to getting punched in the mouth, like the 49ers are really good. And it's one thing to think that way when you're flying to Santa Clara. I think you're flying to San Jose. Uh, and when you're thinking about the week, but you get into that game and that physical defense whacks your offense and those skill position players, you know, tear through your defense, uh, you can get scared in a hurry and your vibe can definitely change. So I think it's so important for them to get off to a fast start. I understand every team wants to do that, but I think that's especially especially vital for these guys on Saturday night. Thanks, Jason. We're so far behind. We've set a record, and I like it. I'll go to Wisconsin On Demand to hear Jason and the Doc again. Next. I tell everybody to go to Fisco Auto Body. Why? Because they're great. They've been doing it for so long. And then you'll like me. People go there, and they're impressed. They're their auto body place forever, for their kids forever. And they say, Homer, way to go. Like, they're surprised. They're Fisco Auto Body. Why are they that good? It's a family business owned since 1931. It's not what they do. It's who they are. By the time they're doing it for you, they've been doing it so long, it's easy. They won't tell you that, but their quality will. Fisco Auto Body on Forest Home in Franklin. Don't give the address often enough. Fisco Auto Body on Forest Home in Franklin. Fisco, Fisco, Fisco to remember the name. Brian Bulaga. Segment is over with J.C. Wilde. This can't be as good, but I'll give it my best shot. I don't think I've asked you... And it seems appropriate, given that uh, Bill Belichick is retiring or changing jobs, probably better. But you played for Kirk Ferentz, who was an assistant when Bill Belichick was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. People should know this, that when he became head coach, he didn't hire other NFL people. He went out and hired a number of college football coaches, many that went on to be very successful, Kirk Ferentz being one. Did Kirk Ferentz ever talk to you? anything tell you anything about bill belichick and your time at iowa i mean he never talked about it like in specifics but you 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 knew the relationship between the two right you knew that kirk was 
an assistant under Bill Belichick and kind of how Kirk runs things at Iowa is very similar to the way Belichick does things in New England. They, they, they run a very similar, you know, style of discipline and how things get done. It's a very tight ship. Um, you know, a lot of accountability, a lot of, uh, a lot of structure. So he never really talked about it in detail, but you knew the relationship because every, obviously every, you know, time there was the NFL pro day and Belichick would be there and the whole new England Patriots staff would be there. And, you know, you could tell that the relationship was strong and you knew that Kirk learned a lot from Belichick and, and the way he ran things. And, and that's kind of the way I was run as well. And lastly, as a pro, either assistant coach or head coach, the one that held you to the highest standard or was the closest to what their approach was. As in, as in, like at Iowa? Or no, no, in the pro. Anybody with the Who? Packers or that little time you spent wherever else where you were that I feel. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think obviously the NFL game is way different than college and the way um, guys are treated in the pros and in college and in the pros. I mean, you know, you're there, you're getting paid a lot of money, you're expected to to do your job and do it at a high level. Yeah, there's instances where you need a little, you know, little you know, support from a position coach. Um, but for the most part, you know, you're expected to go and do a job and, and, and do it at a high level. That's what you're paid to do. And in college, um, I feel like, you know, young kids, you think you're on top of the world and you can't do anything wrong and you kind of need to be brought back to reality. Um, I think my old line coach at Iowa, Reese Morgan, was a really good teacher. And I think he was a real you know, good leader for, you know, young men. I mean, he, he kept guys in line. Um, What's the toughest thing he ever said to you? Cause I'm guessing there weren't many. You were a uh, starter, right? When you, you're like 12 years old when you were a freshman at, at Iowa and you started your <laughs> freshman year not long after, right? Yeah, I did. I did. No, he, he, uh, he was tough on me, especially early on in uh, training camp and kind of the first part of the season, he was tough on me and, um, what would he say? It, I mean, just things like, you know, if you think you're going to go out, you know, on the field and play like that, if you think you're going to go out there on Saturdays oh, and do right. that, you're going to get, you're, you're, you're going to get smoked and things like that. You know, he would say things like that. And, you know, once you got to a certain point and, you know, you showed that this is the product I'm going to put on the field, you know, that verbiage changed. There was more expectation of how he wanted my, you know, me to carry myself and my performances and leadership and things like that. So, um, he, he was a great teacher and it was funny when I went up there, he's still in the building every day. He does a lot of stuff, breaking down tape and things like that. He's not coached anymore, but he does a lot of, a lot of work, um, in the football building and breaking down tape. He's out at practice. He helps a lot with the defense now, but, um, great coach, great coach, great man, you know, learned a lot from him when I was, you know, 18, 19 years old, which was a, a time to be molded. We'll put it that way. To the 49ers. Cor- fourth quarter. Next. Saganiac Planning, named synonymous with employee benefits and top-notch service. I've said it for years, and I have changed. I apologize. They've been doing it well for over 50 years, family-owned. That's how they can make the compl- complicated simple. Confusing insurance decisions, not for them. They've come up with level-funded health insurance. They 
I've been doing it so well for so long. That's how they're that good. So, it will be, and should have been long ago, Saganiac Planning, a name synonymous with employee benefits and top-notch service, and doing it well for over 50 years. And a phone number you can remember. Call Saganiac Planning, 262-783, Roger Maris, Roger Maris, 6161. If you don't know who Roger Maris is, look it up. 262-783, Roger Maris, Roger Maris. I think Brian Bulaga knows who Roger Maris is. I do. Yes. I do, yes. All right. Now we get to the uh, 49ers, the toughest team you ever faced with the Green Bay Packers. Oof. Uh, I mean, it's it's between that that Seattle team where they were the Legion of Boom and mm-hmm. the 49ers. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I think the 49ers when Harbaugh was there. When they had Justin Smith, Alden Smith, Bowman, Patrick Willis, uh, they were really good. They were really good. What did you learn? Maybe you didn't learn anything. Maybe you just knew. What did you learn from playing teams that tough that you would pass along to uh, the Packers? I mean, I, I, I think when when you go against teams like this that are this good, this strong, they don't have a bunch of weaknesses. You have to go into the game knowing that there's going to be times of adversity and it's going to look bleak at times and um, they're going to get the better of you throughout this game. It's a matter of staying with it, um, not getting too low with the lows and keeping your head up and still grinding and pushing away through it because Listen, when you play really good teams or really tough teams, they're going to get the better of you on plays. And it's a matter of just kind of moving on, forgetting about it, and, and getting on to the next play and, and going back out there and, and going a million miles an hour. Because if you start thinking about a play that you lost on or this guy got the better of you on and you start dwelling on that, it's going to continue to happen and happen and happen. Um, I said it before about playoff games. The momentum, the momentum shift happens so quick. We saw it in the Green Bay game, what happened against Dallas, what happened in that game. I mean, they went up 14-0, and it was like the game was done. Um, it's no different, you know, going to play the one seed on their home turf, and it's a, and they're a real one seed, right? This is a real, this is a real squad. They're really good. So there's going to be times of adversity, and you just can't let that momentum get too far in one direction that it, you can't come back from. you got to stay in the fight. You got to continue to push in and and fight and claw and try to, you know, get small victories if you're the momentum's going one way and just continue to try to win each play and get your team back in the game. After you played those games or while you're playing them, did you say, ah, it's not as bad as they said, or, whoa, this <laughs> this is a different day, this is a different game. Yeah, I mean those those San Francisco teams with Justin Smith and Bowman, those guys were the real deal. Like you knew you were you were in a fight, you were in a true fight um, with that team, and and they brought it every single play, and they had the attitude to go with it. Uh, you knew from start to finish it was going to be a battle, and um, you could try to match their physicality, and you could reach it. They were never backing down. They were going to keep coming at you, and that was just the way they they operated so that's that, that, is that an attitude or is that just the talent of the players they had i think it's a it was a mix of both it was a mix of both they were that talented and they just had that mentality they were tough i just i i, I, I said I, I don't think the packers are gonna win but i sure hope that this is 
This could be the greatest season ever in the history of the Green Bay Packers. Do you agree with that? Yeah, it could be. It could be. I mean, and you know what? I'm done doubting this team. I'll just put it that way. I I'm figured done doubting that. them. Yep. I just, I, and you know, they've already, to me, they've already created history. Now the question is, how great is that history? Yeah, and it, it could be great. It could be really great. Just right. Each time, each win gets a little bit bigger. Doc, thanks. Thanks. Go to WisconsinOnDemand.com. Doc and Jason Wildey were outstanding. Shaka Smart, Jen Latta, Trey Norman, next.